0: embarrassed. If you missed the series so far, Jesus on money, I've been talking about the last week before Jesus was going to die on the cross. Several times we have Jesus's teachings and we get to learn what he said about, what's this word? Money, 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 money. Everybody's scared to talk about money. I think that's silly. Don't y'all? It's silly to not talk about it because it's good to talk about it. So if you're in this room and you don't want any money, I'm gonna call you a liar if you raise your hand. Who is it? Who doesn't want any? Y'all want it, right? We want it. So the question isn't do we want it? The question isn't do we need it? The question is what are we going to do when we get it? What are we going to do when we get it? Today specifically, I want you to look at your life and I believe your personal should reflect your spiritual side of your of your life. You should think through what you're investing in. Everybody, are you okay? This is practical at the first part. If you aren't thinking about your investments, then you aren't thinking. Because if your money's not doing this, then guess what it's doing? This. And it kind of piggybacks off last week. You can't make two become four and five become ten if you're not, everybody say, investing. 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 But I want to show you today the difference between investments that return for you and E-R-O-I. Because we want to know the ROI, right, when we're investing in something, the return on investment. This is the EROI, the eternal return on investment. I want y'all to begin to think eternal return on investment. With my time, with my talents, with my life, with what I do, what's my EROI? Am I investing in the right places? Is this what I really should be doing? And I want to kick off the message with Matthew 13, verse 44. One, One verse, I love this verse, I've referenced this before. This is what it says, the kingdom. Jesus came, by the way, to teach the kingdom. Did y'all know that? Say yes. Even if you didn't know, now you know, so you can say yes. He did not come to teach about stuff. He did not come to teach about a man. He came to teach about what this man came to establish, which is his kingdom. And he said the kingdom is like a treasure. Everybody say treasure. If you're like me, you say it. Our treasure, right? None of y'all used to. Okay. A treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Now, do you see this? He found and covered it up. Why? Because he knew that if he could just uncover this and, and he could unlock what was in it, that it would change everything. So what did he do? It says that he just went about his way and hoped that someday he could come back and maybe find this treasure. Is that what it said? Is that what it said? No. It says that in his joy, excited full of joy he sells everything he's got so that he could buy this field so that he could buy the field I'm not preaching this passage but I believe this passage kicks off perfectly what I'm preaching on today but this is what I want you to know as I move to this next part and then give you the title of this message many of you love the look at this way many of you love the idea of the treasure in the field many of you have are saved I believe the majority of the people in this room know Jesus as their savior which means you at least love the concept of what the treasure in the field is. But very few of you are ready to sell all you've got and buy the field. Oh, Mark, stop it. How do you know? Because it's not good to be a sellout in most situations. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? We don't want to be called a sellout. But in this case, I want to be sold out. In this case, I want people to know that I've sold everything, that I'm not worried about it, that if people think we're crazy, they're right. We are crazy, but it's for the Lord. We're not worried about what people think we've sold out. We're not worried about how much personal stuff we've amassed so that people think that we got our stuff together. We're worried about are we doing it his way and are we building his kingdom? Sell out. We're sold out. We're seeking God's grace. We're seeking God's face. We're not worried about everything else. We're sold out. And the reality is all I've got to do is spend five minutes with you and I can tell you whether or not someone is sold out or they like the idea of being sold out. Which means if you just like the idea of being sold out, you like the idea of the treasure. But you dang sure don't want to buy the whole field. Now stay with me. If you buy the whole field, you get what comes with the whole field. If you've never owned a field before, it's nasty. It's nasty. You got to bush hog it because it's full of yuck. You might run over it and get to yellow jackets. If you've never had that happen before, praise the name of the Lord. But I've had them go up my pant legs and come on somebody, it don't go with. <laughs> Use your imagination. I'm not giving you any more, but it ain't good, right? It's dirty, it's nasty, and you've got to dig to find it. Most of us are so disgusted I'm going to preach this one down I can already tell Most of us are so disgusted with the dirt in everybody's field That we're not willing to sell it all To get the gold To get the treasure Because we love the idea of the treasure in each person We just don't like that there's dirt in there I got good news You were made from dirt So we all got the dirt So it's time to sell out And start being treasure hunters. And then this is what Jesus said about investments. He said, don't lay up for yourself, Matthew 6. Don't lay up for yourself. What's this word? Say it loud. Don't lay up treasures. On earth where moth and I said dust in the first service. Because y'all know we got the dust storm from the Sahara dust. So I was thinking wrong. It's the rust. But I guess now the dust destroys. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves. Not. ROI, but ERoi treasures in heaven. That does not mean that you make your investments going, is this company a Christian company? Don't miss this. I'm going to mess with some of y'all. Who cares? I can't believe you said that. Okay. If that company's losing money, I don't care if they're a Christian company. A lot of Christian companies ain't building the kingdom anyway. I'll keep going. Clickety-clackety, let's go. Where neither... Where neither moth and rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. How do I know it's not a kingdom company? I'm just going to keep preaching. Because they don't care about building. They care about getting what's theirs. So that means they use the name of Jesus. I'd rather deal with a secular company that ain't got nothing to do with Jesus than one that's taking advantage of the name of Jesus. I don't know why I'm preaching like this, but I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where neither moth or rust can destroy and and no thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, it says there your, everybody say it, heart will be also. That's where my heart is. So what's the problem? The problem is not that we, most of us, if not all of us in this room have good intentions, good ideals. We want to do what's right. The problem is we all come with the whole field. What's my field? My field is how I grew up. My field is the neighborhood I grew up in. My field is the school that I went to. My field is my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my parents and, and all the mindsets and all the things. And I'm full of field. I'm full of stuff. That don't even include the sin that I purposefully choose to do and just by my nature I do. That's just my field. That's just the things that I come to the table with. And it's challenging because we all have an idea. Now listen of what's right. If you don't think you're right, I don't know what to do for you. Are y'all okay? Everybody thinks they're right. Otherwise, you would never argue. you have been the nicest person in the world. you never argue with your spouse if you always thought you were wrong. right? We don't argue about things that we think we are wrong about. We understand, I don't know if I'm right about this, so I'm not willing to throw a punch. We throw jabs and punches and bombs because I am right. Matter of fact, when Lee and I argue and she says, Y'all are going to judge me, but I don't care. We're already this far into it. When When Leah and I are fighting and she says, you're right, my response is not kind. My response is usually. It's true. I say it, and I really think that's right, which shows the craziness of this brain. Just go with it. But the Bible says that my ways are not his ways and my thoughts are not his thoughts. And as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts from my thoughts. Which means even when I think I'm right and I might even be right in an argument, I'm not really right. How do you know? Because I ain't him. And as much of him as I've got in me, there's still things that are dirt. That I can see your dirt, but I don't want to see mine. So the title of this message is, I really love this title. Y'all probably going to think it's dumb. I don't care. Get your mind right. It's spelled like I meant to. It's spelled like I meant to spell it. This has nothing to do with this, but this dictates or decides what I'm mining, where I'm treasure hunting, and I can't get what I have mind correct until he has control of my heart and mind. The Bible says whatever a man thinks in his heart so is he, which means what my mind is controlling and what my emotions are deciding is where I'm choosing to mine. I'm a treasure hunter. There's no one in this room that is not hunting for treasure every day. And I'm not saying we're the pirates looking for me, charmingly. I just went Irish, apparently. <laughs> I went. I saw a Lucky Charms commercial this week, and it messed me up because I ain't seen one since I was a kid. But but we're always arg, looking for gold. And and I'm not saying that that's what we're doing. We're literally like the old men that are out on the beach. If this is y'all, I am making fun of you right now. But if I'm not saying, Eep. Daniel Bush, to, no way. Skip, skip. this you. You waiting for the X? If they just had an X that marked the spot, Daniel Bush would be rich. And so all of us probably don't do that on the beach, but all of us, listen, we're looking for that next thing, and especially when it comes to human beings, watch this, we love to run with the people that think like we think. So I'm, watch, I'm cool with you as long as you cool with me. As long as you think, vote, act, do exactly like I do, I can invest in you, but once we disagree, I'm out. This is the picture of the church. Now, why am I saying this? Because in Matthew 25, this is the last teaching Jesus did before he died on the cross. What he said was not what we preach. Our church's vision is based on this passage, and I don't wish we had changed it. I know the Lord told us to do it, to reach the least lost and lonely with the gospel. But I want you to see what Matthew 25 says and how we're supposed to get our minds, our fields right. It says in verse 31 of Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels will be with him, and they'll sit on his glorious throne. He'll sit on his glorious throne, excuse me, and before him will be gathered all the nations. Pause. This is not, I can tell this is not for anybody in this room, because I know y'all. So people watching online, the handful of people that watch, and they don't agree. For everybody that thinks heaven's going to be a White House, Hmm. let me say it this way I'm a white person so I'm going to speak as a white man for a second there's more of them than there are you and me and us black people it's it's, it's y'all too it's us it's all of us there's a whole lot more Asian people on this planet and that's neither one of us if we're white and black are y'all okay shout out to my Asian brothers It means. Listen to me. It means everybody. Someone say everybody. So this is not a white and black thing. This is an everybody thing. Say everybody. I don't know how many nations, races this includes. I do know that there's twelve stones in the foundation of heaven. I do know that there's twelve tribes. I do know that there's many colors. Let's just go with 12 because it makes sense because there's 12 pearls that make up the gate. There's 12 stones. There's 12 lots. So let's just say 12 colors. That's two of them, black and white. So the problem is when I say I'm colorblind, God ain't. Are y'all okay? We can all be family today because that's what I'm preaching on. So if you don't want to lean in yet, lean in now. This is about the family of God not being about one particular place, one particular country. With all due respect to our country, and I'm thankful that we live here. I'm thankful for freedom. But America's not the destiny or the end. It's not the whole point. It's not the purpose. He is. I'll keep going. And before him were gathered all the nations, and he separated them. Not by nation! Americans, you're here. Asian people, African people, European people. No, nope. he, he separated them sheep and goats. What are sheep and goats? Sheep are those that have followed the shepherd's voice, that have received Christ as their Savior, and then operate and occupy till he comes. Goats are ones that probably, in a lot of cases, they sound like him. They talk like him. They say that they know him, but they don't love each other. They're not part of the brotherhood. Everybody say brotherhood. That is not male. If I can be the bride of Christ, ladies, you can be part of the brotherhood, okay? So this is not male and female. They're not part of the brotherhood or the sheepfold. Why? Because they haven't ever gotten his stuff in them. So the kingdom was never a concept that they wanted to build. It was always get out of hell free and then still do my thing. But that's not God. That's not how he works. God did not save you just to get you to heaven. Otherwise, you would have gone to heaven the minute you got saved. He saved you to bring heaven to earth. And then my destiny eternally is in heaven, but not until then. Next verse. Someone say, that's bad. Okay, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so bad. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit. Someone say, Inherit so interesting that he talks about the inheritance because Galatians 4.1 says, As long as I'm a bond servant, or excuse me, as, uh, I apologize. As long as I'm a child, the child is not young. The child is mindset. As long as I think childish, me, selfish, I'm no different than a bond servant. But once I grow up in Christ, he gives me my inheritance. Why? So I can talk about my inheritance. I can talk about being blessed. I can talk about all that I have. No! so that I can accomplish what he put me on planet earth to do. If you think in terms of me, myself, and I when it comes to praying, if you always think, God, get me out of this, do this, do this, do this, why have you not, then you're not thinking heaven to earth. You're not thinking like a sheep fully surrendered to God. What you're thinking about is your investment is for here and now. So watch, we pray things like God bless me so that I can. God's already blessed you, go do it. But if my mindset doesn't shift, watch, my minefield is wrong. And I'm treasure hunting every day hoping that I can amass what I can amass to be cool and be awesome and be important. But that's not why God put you here. He said, receive this this inheritance that I prepared for you before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous... The sheep, they say, what? How did we do all this for you? Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or thirsty or, or naked or, or a stranger? When did we do all this and see you sick and in prison? And he said, truly, as you did to one of these least, one of the least. Everybody say least. Of my brothers. Do you notice he doesn't say to those out there, now I'm preaching to the church today about the investments that we have, and I'm not done preaching. Let me go and get my Holy Ghost sweat towel out because it's going to be on like Donkey Kong in just a second. He said, "Whatever you do to my brothers, my brothers—that's anyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. What about denomination? No one cares. This is not about that. What about male or female? No, 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 no. What about different? Co- all the nations." What about if they vote Democrat? What about if they vote Republican? This dang sure ain't got nothing to do with that. Isn't that kind of how we separate the sheepfold, quote unquote, the brotherhood today? We say things like, if you vote, mm, you can't be a Christian. What? Jesus stood against all of them. He said, I came to establish a kingdom. He is the king. So with all due respect, and I mean this with all due respect, I do not mean this as crazy as it's going to come out, but it's going to come out. Two mid-70s white dudes that are both senile are not the ones that Jesus is talking about. I'm preaching. (laughs) Jesus, help us. Well, I got my faith in that one. God help you. I'm telling you I mean this. The Lord Jesus help. Are you going to vote for one? Probably. But God help us if you think that's the answer. It ain't, and I'm not, I believe, listen, don't miss this, theologically, I believe God ordains everyone that sits in office, including, including the Ahabs, including the crazies, so that means if you think the one that could get elected or is elected is crazy, God still ordained it, so you should pray for the crazy, having said that, they sure aren't the answer, And it's not the kingdom that I'm trying to build up. And if you put your hope in that, I'm going to keep going, you probably are arguing with people on the other side of the aisle for how they vote or how they do. And let me help you. That ain't the answer. If you're spending your energy, especially, this is about the brotherhood. This is about the fact that when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I got a blood transfusion. I'm O positive by nature, but I'm him by second birth. He said to Nicodemus at night when, when in John 3, if you want to be born again, then, then flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. you got to be born again. you got to trust me as Savior. And once that happened, I don't care where you come from or what your socioeconomic background is, what your last name is, where, 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 what country of origin you come from originally, if you're European or African or Asian or Australian or whatever else it could be. South American, I left them out, sorry. In Christ, we still look different and we should celebrate our differences, but we're one. Our blood is the same. Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. There's someone in this room who I won't say his name, but it rhymes with Daniel Pearson. (laughs) Who, when we were little kids, we, we played together since we were, I don't know, eight, seven, something like that for him. And we used to play outside constantly. And if you're old enough in this room, if you're young, don't do this. Because we didn't know better. But do you all remember when we used to do blood brothers? If you got a cut and they got a cut, you're supposed to do blood brothers because then we're brothers, right? And we thought it was smart. It didn't matter what color you were. It didn't matter where you came from. We were blood brothers, and we bragged on it. And then a few years later, the HIV virus started becoming something. We were like, what did we do, Jesus? This is, help us, Lord. <laughs> Because that was the 80s and then the 90s came. Right? Here's what I'm telling you about salvation. Salvation is just like the stupid thing that we did when both of our hands were cut. Except it's real and it's a transfusion. And no longer am I what I was, but now I'm what I am in him. So even though I can celebrate the differences, celebrate the history, celebrate all these things that, that make us unique, I should see you as blood transfused just like I am. Had I not had a blood transfusion, I was guaranteed death. But because I had a blood transfusion, I have life in his name. So freedom is not, not recognizing the differences. It's celebrating them and accepting the fact that all nations belong at the dinner table of the king, the, la- the lamb's supper, But our problem is we get so caught up in building what's our kingdom that we forget that they're part of my kingdom if I'm in Christ. So we fight amongst ourselves as the capital C church, investing in what we believe is right instead of trusting that he's right. Change doesn't happen in comfort. If I never ask God to show me where I'm wrong, I'm probably wrong. And my change isn't going to take place in a comfortable place where I've always been. Good God. Good God. I feel like preaching. If you say things like, I wish we could go back to the way that it was in the good old days, I've heard people say that, I'm just gonna say, in the 60s, Mark, it was the good old days because we had prayer in school. We also didn't have blacks and whites going to school together, we also had Jim Crow. That's not the good old days. Not every change is bad, but those changes were good. So going back, I don't want it. And I don't like every change we're making today. I'm not a fool. But some things need to change. How do I know if I'm on the right side? I don't mean politically right. I mean God's side of this whole argument. Am I submitted and surrendered? Am I I loving the sheepfold? Have I done to the least of these? Have I looked at the ones that I would disagree with and say, I don't care, you're the Samaritan. Looking at the one that everybody's walking over saying, I'm willing to lean down and pick you up in the middle of your mess. Someone that would, not, would step over them, would never go within 10 feet of them, would run to them because why? You're my family in him. You know, it's a sad day when we're so worried about building our return and our economy and our way that we can't look at each other and say, "I love you, yeah, but we disagree on, okay what if God treated me that way because I disagree with him because I assure you throughout my life I look back and take an inventory and it's almost forty years i'll be forty. In just over a month, and I look back, and I think, good gosh, a mosey, how many times have you had to change me? And I believe we're just getting started. I hope he'll keep changing me. Why? Because I know I'm wrong. It's not about being right. It's about mining in the right place. It's about getting my minefield correct so that I can accomplish what God put me on this planet to do. That scripture goes on to say to the goats... When I was hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and in prison, you didn't. When I was a stranger, you didn't. When did I not? When you shunned the brothers, when you shunned the sisters, when you shunned the family of God. You showed me what was in you by the way that you loved each other. The Bible talks about this over and over. Jesus talked about this over and over. It's easy to love people that are nice to us. It's easy to to love people that are friendly but he said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do good to them. Why? Because a lot of times that'll be people in the church. And if all I do is throw a bomb back, are they going to be bombs thrown at you? Absolutely. If we do it God's way, he said, they'll hate you for my name. But it's not until we can stand and say, I will stand for the right thing, but I'll also stand for people and love them. So quickly, I want to show you these, these words, eat and drink. I just love the book of John. If y'all ever want to talk about it, maybe sometime we could just sit down and have a breeze through the book of John time because it is amazing. But I'm just going to show you John 6 and 7. John 6 is feeding the 5,000. And this is what he said. I don't want you to invest and work for food that perishes, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. In Christ Jesus is where his seal is set. So he's investing in godly things. Then look, John 6, he's fed 20,000 people on a hillside the day before. Then the next day in Capernaum, he teaches this, and he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. And the Bible says that many of the disciples left him saying, This is too hard. Why? Because change doesn't happen in comfort. And they like getting their their two-piece and a biscuit meal from Jesus on the side of the hill, and they love when he'd do a trick for them. But as soon as he started teaching them the truth that would agitate their insides to change them to be like him, they said, no, dog, that ain't what I think, and you got to submit to my will. Because that's what we pray to God, not your will but my will be done. I don't like passive prayers where we say, if it be your will... Because if you're praying healing over somebody and God said the prayer of a righteous person has healing, anointing, you don't have to pray if it be his will. He told you what to do. What we use if it be your will for is, is I don't really know if I want to have faith in this situation so I'm going to pray this passive aggressive prayer. But that's not what God wants. What God wants when if it be your will is not this will but your will. So if it be your will, change this will. If I'd start praying that, I got the power of God on my life. I don't have to guess whether or not it's his will. I can speak and a mountain will move. Why does it not happen now? Because I'm still trying to build my kingdom. Because if God gave me power for my words today, I'd end up cursing the people that he's calling to bless. So I'm thankful that he hasn't given me the full power because I still have cursing on my tongue and it's only supposed to be blessing or building. It's not until he can change all of me and it doesn't happen in comfort. happens through pain, and it happens through time. Then look at John 7. In the same temple that he always has been teaching in, he stands up in the middle, and with a loud voice, he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Out of not other places, where is the reservoir? Where is the tap that I can tap into that's living water that is like a well that never runs dry? He says, inside of me, whoever believes, The scripture said out of my heart out of here flows rivers of living water. Why do I become empty and frustrated and tired? Listen if you're married in here I'm going to help you in 30 seconds. Do you know why we get so frustrated with our spouses? Because I have a reservoir that is unbelievably in need of being filled. And what I try to tap into is I look at Leah in my case and I say I need filling so I need fill in the blank from you. And I start pointing out all the things that she's not doing rather than out of my overflow and out of her overflow, we can run together. When she is flowing, filled with the Holy Spirit every day in that tap in the right place, by the way, that's very similar to mining. But when I just look at her and say, I need you to pour out yourself into me, if this is a five-gallon container and she's a 20-ounce bottle, how many of y'all know that ain't gonna work? And what we do is we suck the life out of our spouses because you're not supposed to be my fill. In my overflow and in your overflow, we can flow together because my deep can cry out to your deep and then it can be good. But you are never supposed to fill me, wife. You were never supposed to fill me, husband. And most of the time our frustrations are when we look at our brothers and sisters who also happen to be our spouse. And we say, you're not giving me enough. I got news for you. No human can ever give you enough. It's why people suck the life out of you. Look at me. If you're flowing with the Holy Ghost and you're being filled and you're tapped into the tap root, and every single person you have an interaction with is staying in the puddles in the shallow end of the pool, then they're gonna suck the life out of you, and you're never gonna feel that you got someone that you can run with. Marriages that work, listen, this is free. If you wanna know what the Bible means about don't be unequally yoked, it's not just unsaved. Because that saved person, if they're trying to build their own kingdom and they're tapping in just on the shallow end of the pool, that yoke ain't gonna work. Come on somebody. Who do I wanna run with in my life? I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care if you're tapped into the Holy Spirit and when I speak to you I can tell that you're talking to the same one that I'm talking to all of a sudden we'll start having agreement we don't even know what's going on you start looking at each other saying I don't know what it is but every time I'm with her Jesus, it's crazy how does Shannon pick the songs that work so well with Mark tap, tap it ain't got nothing to do with we smart it's got to do with where we're tapped into if you're not digging the right wells no one can help you There's no man, listen to me, ladies, no man that can ever fill you except the God-man, Jesus, who is not here. His spirit is here, but he's seated on the right hand of God. So whenever you get frustrated or you think to yourself, single ladies, oh, the single lady. If if this is you, don't look for that man before you get tapped in with the real man. He is our high priest, not Mark Pangol. I will pastor you and I will hope that I can say, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But I am just a man that cannot fill you. But I get with the one that can fill us every day. That's how I can know if I'm mining right. And then naked, this is what I thought of with naked. John 6 and then John 7 is where I just read from. John 8, the very next chapter, the woman's caught in adultery and he throws her in the middle. The, The Pharisees throw her in the middle and they say, This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. What do you say we should do with her, Jesus? And he never responds. He just leans out, leans down and and writes something. We don't know exactly what he wrote. It's it's completely an opinion. But one by one, they leave. Newsflash. If she was caught in the act of adultery, she is, y'all can say it out loud, naked. Someone said it right. She don't have clothes on. They're embarrassing her. They're shaming her. Listen to me. This is the problem with not running correctly in the brotherhood immediately when this heart's not right, when I'm not tapped in right, when I feel uneasy, what should clothe ends up condemning. Did you hear me? What should clothe ends up being condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Here's what Jesus said, verse 11. Where are those that accused you? Verse 9. She said, there's no one, Lord. Verse 10. He said, verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Instead, I'm going to clothe you. Go and leave your life of sin. He met her at her point of embarrassment and shame, and instead of shaming her or calling her out, he picked her up. He put a cloak around her, I believe, because you wouldn't ask someone to leave unless you covered them. And that's what we're supposed to do in the brotherhood. It does not mean that we ignore sin. It means that we don't try to embarrass. It means we don't call out. We pick up. Galatians 5.1, if you catch a brother or sister in a sin, if you catch them, y'all have heard this message before if you've been here, don't catch them so you can condemn them. Catch them so you can catch them and then put them down, put their feet on a solid rock. We have to pay consequences, earthly speaking, for sin, but that does not mean we have to live in condemnation among the brothers and sisters in Christ. We love to do it. Why? Because we're embarrassed about our own stuff. Because we're not tapped into the right place. So we look around and say, How can I make you feel what I feel? And we heave condemnation. Can I tell you what, how we do it? We do it by accusing. This is the problem with that. Revelation 12. I know I want a lot at you, but just stay with me. Revelation 12 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses day and night. I can never be more like Satan when I'm standing in my pride, believing I'm right, and then start accusing other people. God help me. Jesus not only didn't accuse, he became sin so that I could become his righteousness, my God. Look at what Matthew 6 says. Why do you worry about what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear? He said the Gentiles worry about all that stuff. And your Father in heaven knows all that you need. So how do I find the right clothes to clothe what my nakedness, my shame is doing? You can be naked and unashamed in Christ Jesus is what the Bible says. And then what about strangers and sick and people in prison? I wish I had time to break this down in John, but I'm going to hit the highlights. The next chapter in John 9, he goes and heals a blind man who's been blind from birth. That's sick. I don't know if y'all know this. And the disciples said, who sinned? Who sinned? The blind man or his parents that he's blind? And Jesus said, no, 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 nobody sinned. It's so that I can be glorified. And then he heals him at Siloam, at the pool, which means sent. Because he don't want to heal your sickness to keep you sick or to keep you in the house, but to send you out so that you can be the light that shines in the darkness, the good news. And a stranger that he welcomes in, I love John 10 there because he says, the sheep hear my voice, but they don't recognize a stranger's voice. How do you know if it's someone that's a brother or a sister? You'll know. And it has nothing to do with the way they vote, has nothing to do with where they come from, has nothing to do with what country they're from, has nothing to do with any of that. They're one of his. And if they're one of his, that means they're your family. And this blood is deeper than water. This blood is deeper than my own blood. This blood's who I'm going to run with forever and ever. And every single time that I get an opportunity to be kind to a stranger, especially one that's in the brotherhood, I should. And then John 11, sick and in prison, the disciples look at Jesus in John chapter 11 and say, what about Lazarus? He's sick. And Jesus says this sickness doesn't lead unto death, but so that the glory of God can be revealed. And then in John 35, if y'all don't know a scripture verse, I'm going to teach you one right now. Jesus wept. Right? So everybody knows the scripture verse now. John 11:35. 35. Jesus weeps, not because Lazarus has died, but because the people that he loves are hurting. But Jesus goes in that prison, in that tomb. Because what, what a prison is really like spiritually is not, and what we sang about this morning when Emma was leading us, is not a prison cell, but a prison that you create for yourself in your shame, in your hurt, in your past. And when Jesus spoke into that cave and said, Let him loose, loose him and set him free, Lazarus come forth, the picture of this happened. Now, I'm not Jesus, and I don't know that I'll ever get to see someone raised from the dead, but I believe it's possible in Christ. But I believe every day we can see the cloths of a dead person come off, the mummy come to life in Christ by me just speaking. And loving the person that is in chains and in shackles from their past and their shame. I'm never to bury that place. That's the place I should be mining. All that dirt that's covering all their past and all their stuff, instead of gossiping behind their back, did you hear about? What if we went to them and loved them in the middle of their crap? Here's what Hebrews thirteen says. Let brotherly love continue for the entire brotherhood. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers because sometimes we entertain angels. My goodness, I could preach a whole message on that. But just know, the ones that you entertain might not be what you think you're entertaining sometimes because the angels are with us. Most of the time we don't see them, but sometimes we do. And it says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison, like you're in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body for everyone that's in the body of Christ think this way goats are earthly minded constantly thinking what's, what's in it for me what's my return on investment but sheep, people that are truly part of the brotherhood are always eternity minded which means they mine where their hearts are they mine where their hearts are If you aren't thinking eternal return on investment with what you're doing with your life, I'm not talking about change your job. God wants doctors and lawyers and teachers. God wants construction workers. God wants every single different kind of job. Not everybody's supposed to work at a church, but everybody should be eternity, heaven-minded. And this is how I'll close with Philippians 3. Look at this. What's the difference between a sheep and a goat? Paul just laid it out for us. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly or their appetite. What they want it's mine, mine, mine. Give it to me. Their glory is their shame. Their mindset is on earthly things. They're constantly mining for themselves. But look, our citizenship is in heaven. This isn't my home. My home is there and I get to make this the colony that is called earth heavenly. As we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform this lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things unto himself. So the question that you have to answer is this. Many of you are saved by trusting Jesus as Savior. But what you have to answer is, am I building this kingdom or this kingdom? Am I doing eternal return on investment? What am I tapped into every day? If I'm spending more time in Netflix and in Facebook and in Instagram and in TikTok, if I'm spending more time gossiping, if I'm spending more time tearing down, then I'm not building him. I'm not building the kingdom that God's called me to. And when it comes to people disagreeing with you, be careful because I can't believe how I disagree with my 30-year-old self. And so rather than have to be right, submit your heart to the one that you know is right and he will change you every day from glory to glory grace to grace and then I can be certain that I'm on the right team that I'm a sheep that I'm building in the right kingdom but I will never be a good investor as long as every prayer, every conversation everything is always what's in it for me I'll always be one that sucks the life out of everybody like a vampire every person that I'm with but if I'm filled if I'm tapped in if I'm drinking from that well that never runs dry, if I'm filled every day by the Holy Spirit, then I can look for brothers and sisters that are hungry and thirsty and naked and strangers and sick and in prison and I can reach out my hand and say, you don't need me. I can give you a momentary thing that will help your need. But once you get tapped into the right root in the Holy Spirit, once I am producing the fruit of the Spirit, by being rooted in the Spirit, then people will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if I'm just trying to be loving, then you squeeze me hard enough, the truth will come out. We gotta get our minds right. Will y'all pray with me? Lord, As we sing this last song, my prayer is that as you've dealt with our hearts and shown us some things this morning, God, don't let us leave the same. God, if all we did is sweat and get excited and sing and have an awesome worship experience, then, I mean, that's good and we enjoy it. But God, that's not what we desire. We desire to be conformed to you. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can pick the right mind field. So that we can know that we're treasure hunting in the right place. So that we don't look for dirt, we find the treasure. So God, change us, each one of us. God, there's no one that doesn't need your Holy Spirit's change from the inside out. Lord, we're just gonna stand as a body and lift our hands up to you, and let this be a song where you minister to our hearts. So as we stand and sing, Lord, minister to us so we can be changed into your likeness, into your image, and tapped into the right root in Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Hey, man, Y'all stand with us and let's sing.